Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion, part of the Rock and Roll podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Harley. Unfortunately, there's no gravel Patricia today as they're uh, both unavailable. However, I am joined by two people from Progressive Rugby, who I think will be far more qualified to talk about what we, uh, what we want to talk about today. So first up, can I introduce Alex Popham, former Wales international? How are you doing, Alex? Yeah, all good. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. And also to bring some medical knowledge. Uh, Professor John Fickler. Uh, how are you doing, John? Great. Lovely to see you. So tonight we want to talk about uh, player welfare, in particular concussions and, and the tackle laws. And as I've previously mentioned, both Alex and John are part of Progressive Rugby, a player welfare group looking at trying to improve player safety wherever possible without changing the game fundamentally. So would either of you two like to discuss talk a bit about the mission statement who's involved the the sort of work you guys do to help uh players both professional and in the community game yeah i'll kick up um uh with that because uh, it's really a, a very interesting um start that we had with progressive rugby um there are a number of um quite senior medical individuals um, professor bill ribbons myself and a few others who've been involved in rugby and also with the sports for many many years and um, we've actually written about the problems that we saw with the um injuries in rugby and particularly with concussions in the past but when we heard about the problems that were occurring with people like Alex and Steve Thompson, who have got sig- uh, significant problems with uh, neurological and mental diseases, which are linked with head injuries. We joined together and formed a group which we've called Progressive Rugby because we are interested in resolving the problems which occur 
in the game that we have all played and we all want to see continue, rugby union, but it will need some change. For me on that, it's literally every stakeholder in the game who 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 is involved in progressive rugby. We all still love rugby, but we just want to make it safer that in the future, the, the future generations and current players are not struggling in their retirement. Yeah, yes, I, I think one of the problems that um, we've met in progressive rugby is that there is somehow the feeling that we as a group are trying to stop rugby. We're trying to stop the physical nature of the game. We're trying to stop the contact. And you couldn't be further from the truth. All of us want a continuation, but we want it in a very um, moderate, moderated way. You can't carry on the way it is because what is happening is that we can see not only the long-term consequences, but also the images that people see on the screen. And the number of people playing rugby is not increasing, it's decreasing. And part and parcel of that is because the marketing that we're seeing where people are being injured. And we do have to bear that in mind when we as progressive rugby give our interpretation of what we feel should be done from a medical and with our rugby um, individuals from international to club rugby to university rugby when they give their opinions it it is a very coherent group we uh, follow the uh, progressive rugby account on twitter and it does always strike me how some of the negative responses to what well i mean personally to me i find quite reasonable suggestions around around sorting out concussion um and and, and, a, and, a, and a lot of it is yes, there are areas of game day Saturdays that we're looking at to uh, to change with regards to the number of subs, the ruck area um, that we can talk about a bit later. But the majority of the stuff we want to make the gate to make the game safer is off the pitch. So the amount of contact players uh, have during the week, uh, during the season, the length of the season. And all those things are controllable. We can, we can control those. But it's guidelines that have been put in place and not made mandatory. And I know for a fact from current players, those 15 minutes aren't being stuck to. Yeah. Yes, I, I think Alex is absolutely right. And part of the problem is uh, the terminology. Um, everyone uses the word concussion fairly glibly. Um, but I noticed quite often in the press, uh, some of the journalists and um, uh, recently um, uh, Sonny Bill Williams wrote a Twitter article where he talked about having a head knock. Uh, heads are not knocked. It is the brain that is damaged. The reason why when you have a, a concussion, as we call it that for ease of usage, uh, that you can't stand, that you get wobbly, that you can't remember things, is because the individual elements of the brain called neurons don't work properly. It's like the equivalent of dropping a computer on the floor and finding that it doesn't work. It actually needs rebooting. Sometimes it doesn't reboot. And that is the consequence of the impact. And it's that that we want to really look at and not trivialise. It is not a head knock. It is actually a significant um, impact. And so 
when we look at what Alex has been through, we have to listen to what kind of impacts he had, the number of impacts he had, the number of training sessions he had, because that is far, far different than the groups who went through the 60s and the 70s when it was an amateur game, people had other jobs. The world of rugby union has changed, especially at the elite level, and that's where the major problems are. On, on John's point there, I've had to retrain myself in, I don't even like the word concussion because it softens what it is. It's a TBI, it's a traumatic brain injury. And that's what we still, because if a mum and dad hears their child's had a concussion, they may think, oh, okay. But if they've had a traumatic brain injury, they're going to take it serious. So I, I'm trying to, when I'm giving interviews, call it a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, because it, it, it deserves to, to be communicated in that way. Yeah, and it, without over-dramatising it, that when you watch uh, television and you see people being injured, you look at Twitter and people start talking about he didn't need a red card, he should have had a yellow card. The consequences of getting it wrong are that there will be damage to the uh, brain, which is then allowed to persist. Now, uh, one of the things that you may or may not know about my background is that I was involved with uh, professional boxing, not as a boxer, may I say, but as someone who was looking after professional boxing uh, at the world championship level. Now, if we had an individual who was knocked out, now let's say that they had a technical knockout. That means they couldn't get to their feet. They were wobbly, a bit like you saw Tom Francis when we got their probium about saying that he shouldn't have carried on playing. But if you have a technical knockout, that means you can't stand up within the 10 seconds. You then can't box, you can't train, you can't spar for a number of weeks. Varies in each uh, boxing board of control, but it's about 30 days. Now we were talking about bringing people back at seven days, 10 days, 12 days, that is completely and utterly out with the way that a brain recovers. And so when we were looking at why we thought it was important to alter the way we looked at return to play, managing the traumatic brain injuries that occur, we felt we should always be erring on the side of player welfare. And that's the maintaining uh, that approach that we've carried on with to date. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely agree. I think erring on side caution, it should be better. I mean, with the world, I mean, when World Rugby first introduced the twelve days, I thought, well, that's great. Until I realised that, until previously, that it'd been, I think, I can't remember when, but before a certain date, it was a twenty-one day turnaround anyway. Yeah, I, and, I, and there but, were so many caveats that. You know, you could actually still be returned in seven days. So there was an issue with Johnny Sexton. I can't remember what game it was, but he got um, he failed the HIA, passed the second HIA, and then therefore didn't have to do the twelve day standby, which seemed a bit uh, odd to me. If if you fail the HIA on the pitch, surely you should. That's a sign that you have suffered an injury. Yeah, I don't know. Alex, when you first started, um, were you um, under the three-week rule? I, 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 yes, it was. It was. It wasn't stuck to, but uh, there was uh, 
they would uh, say to see it was other parts of your body. Um, but yeah, I know for a fact when I had my, again, I can't, my memory of my career and, and I thought I had two big KOs when I played, but I found out I've had more. Uh, the one I definitely know happened and can't remember was when I knocked my two front teeth out uh, and woke up in the changing room. Um, and that was on a Sunday and I played on the on the following Friday. And I think that's uh, what Alex is highlighting there is the fact that in the days when we had three weeks, um, and um, certainly that was very, very early on when I was involved um, with Cardiff and then with the Welsh Rugby, um, there was a tendency to try and cheat the system. And that is one of the difficulties because you can cheat. Um, and the question is, whether it's sensible to cheat. And uh, there is always a problem with sportsmen and managers and coaches that their short term, their jobs, their careers, their earnings depend on short term game. Our problem uh, is as doctors is that we see people throughout life. And what we don't want to do is to sacrifice a short term game for a long term gain. Um, now, there is obviously a balance because every contact sport carries a risk. But what we're doing in progressive rugby is saying, look, we accept there's a risk, but how can we make it as safe as possible and still be a game that we recognise, a game that everybody has um, wanted to watch, from Gareth Edwards' try, many of you remember, with the uh, uh, Barbarians. Remember, that was played under different rules, by the way. There weren't yeah. any jackals in those days. It's quite a good game, that. If you all, sub, all subs. All subs. All substitutes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, going back to John's point there, a big push for us with Progressive Rugby and Head for Change, the, the charity that I set up, is education. And education is so important. What I've learned over the last two years on traumatic brain injury, on concussion, uh, I didn't know 99% of it. And that, for the future, is going to be a huge, huge part moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as, as you just mentioned, the education centre, I didn't suppose either of you two want to elaborate the sort of educational tools that would be available, say, if anyone listening coaches a club or is a member yeah. and would like to bring it in to their... We're, we're, we're looking as, as head for change to um, uh, uh, partnering with people uh, involved in uh, progressive rugby uh, piloting it hopefully within the next three months, starting with uh, young kids, school teachers. So after they or when they're doing their PGC, they get this um, um, certificate for taking part in the course. And then when they're out in, in their jobs, they're, they're going to be teaching hundreds and eventually thousands of kids this safe way, safer way to, to play contact sports. And, and as John said, it's not just rugby. Other contact sports have this problem as well. So it's, it's a, a huge drive for, for me personally to, to educate the next generation on, on how serious this is. And a big problem we're having uh, with the children who have a, uh, a concussion, traumatic brain injury on a Sunday, uh, that doesn't get communicated then to their school teacher and they take part in sport during the week, um, which can't happen. But does. 
And I think Alex is quite right. One of the things progressive rugby is very keen uh, on is the educative programme. Um, we've we've got Dave Covner, the ex-dean of Cardiff Met, and we've got um, several of the teachers um, who, um, like Mark Buck from um, one of the high schools uh, in Cardiff. Um, when you've got educational individuals, they're aware of the fact that the children and the young adults coming through need to be re-educated because at the moment, people still trivialise what is a head injury. As I said, Alex was um, quite correct, it's a traumatic brain injury. And we have to say to them, look, if you are injured, you shouldn't be playing. And we're trying to suggest that there should be a card. Um, If we say a blue card, this is something similar to what was in the Southern Hemisphere, where you got your card, and you have to show that you're fit to play. And if you've been injured, then that is noted. That means that you can't play football or basketball or whatever, um, because it is across all sports. Um, Kieran Bracken and I spoke to Parliament over the concussion committee. Um, uh, and it's um, in football, that I think you may know, they're trying to reduce heading. So it is across all sports, but we're concentrating on rugby union which is our brief, and we are in the situation where we, where we believe that education is a primary concern, and that's why progressive rugby um, and Head for Change are very much linked to try and produce uh, a, something for the parents of the clubs um, uh, to follow. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, Speaking of that, I mean, moving on, to a to a fate to almost sort of a failure of educating and talking through um the RFU announced certain tackle laws uh week for last about dropping the tackle height to to the waist. Two things um sort of um struck me with this release was one, there seemed to be no consultation, no talking, there was no explanation of what the science was behind this. The statement just seemed to be science, uh, science says we should bring the tackle height down. And then there's no no real explanation. The second thing is how few people know where the waist is. <laughs> Assuming it's where the hips are. Uh, I don't know if you two, either of you two have any strong opinions for or against the lowering. I mean, for me, I mean personally, for me, I felt lowering the tackle height, particularly for the community game, made more sense because it gives you that. You know, currently, if it's around the shoulders, you've only got an inch or two before you're hitting someone in the head. If you're Bit lower down towards the waist, and you and you and you accidentally come up, you're less likely to stick your shoulder into someone's head. I don't know. Alex, do like... you want to go first? Yeah, for, for me, it was just a PR disaster, full stop, wasn't it? From the RFU and the way it got communicated with no data behind it with regards to, and I was unaware of this that it's been going on in, in France for a couple of years. And correct me if I'm wrong, John, but New Zealand as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's data there. 
It seems to be working. It took a couple of uh, months for players to get used to it. Uh, but that's what rugby players do. They they evolve with the new laws and people will get used to it. And if it is uh, with regards to the data um, making concussions less, then it's, it's, a, it's a good move, in my opinion. Um, so it was just the way it was done and handled. It was like it, they were rushing it out on that day because the amateur legal case went live and it, it just all seemed too wrong wrong to me that um they 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 commute communicated it badly very badly i think alex has highlighted it i think um from a scientist point of view um before we make decisions we normally have data i haven't seen any data um it hasn't been published and you know when we first started, one of the things that we said at the very beginning, you have to drop the tackle height. The reason is that the game has changed. And what you're finding is it's almost like rugby league. Um, after a mall or a rug, you're not left with four or five people outside. You've basically got a full pitch full of people. So you're going to have a bright tackling. One goes for the ball, one goes for the play. So they are actually upright. And when they looked at, um, the, they did have some data, the English rugby looked at some data and showed that, I think it was 2016, that the uh, people with the traumatic brain, uh, brain injuries were actually the head-on-head collisions. So obviously, if you can reduce that, great, that's fine. Um, the problem you have is that we have to know how it was done. And I am informed, although I haven't had firm data, so again, this is speculative, but in France, that actually the tacklers actually been changed also. So there's only one person tackling in the French rules. Now that may be just someone's assertion, but obviously we do need to know what is going on. Um, we have to think about dropping the tackle, but not making in itself another problem. And we are going to go on, I suggest, to um, look at the, uh, the breakdown with the ruck and especially um, with the jackal, because the two serious injuries I've seen um, were um, based around the jackal, where somebody was coming in. You, if you're looking at the ball, you can't see the person coming in. It's the only time, I think, in sport uh, that I've seen where you actually put yourself in a position that you can't see the blow that hits you. You do in boxing, you're watching, but yet in the jackal, you're not watching. You're looking at the ball and yet somebody can come in. So there are a number of issues um, driving close to the uh, line. Yes, perhaps you shouldn't be dropping your head. There may be rules about that. But whatever rule changes that occur are, we support, as Alex said, dropping the tackle height. How it's done is for those who are actually in the rule makers to explain to us. But progressive rugby certainly does encourage it. We actually said below the nipples um, because it was just a, a, an easy area. It does in children's rugby cause problems because of the totally different size and shape but if you were to just have uh, tackling below the waist purely below the waist in children's rugby would be problematic because most of them 
grab hold of the shirt. So, um, yes, a wonderful approach to drop the tackle height, but we really do need to see a little bit more of the data. And, you know, I think progressive rugby really feels that we are not the enemy to world rugby and the other English rugby unions. We are far from it. We are on the side of the community game, which is where most uh, of the rugby is played. And what we want to see is a continuation of that. And I don't think you should just experiment with the uh, amateur game without that consultation. We do need to have uh, the people involved with it making the decisions. And anything to add to that? No, for for me, I just yeah, I'd be repeating what what John John said, but I think it's it's a positive uh, step forward that was just communicated uh, very badly, and uh, yeah, we're waiting for that data to come out and detail around where and what was done in France and the numbers that can make the tackles if it's two or one and. All that is going to make a huge difference with, with the forces applied to the to the player carrying the ball. So, yeah, w- waiting really, but yeah, really um, um, can't say much more until we see it. Yeah, so it was, um, they had Russ, Ross Tucker on uh, pre- uh, rugby tonight, so the BT Sports um, yeah. rugby chat show, um, talking about sort of like you basically said, you know, basically split the body into three colour zones. So. Shoulder and above is red, hips and below is amber. But then, you know, there's this sweet spot sort of below the armpit, just above the hips. But, you know, if you're aiming, if you're aiming to hit, put your shoulder there, that seemed to get rid of all the data. But I want, you know, I was quite looking forward to seeing the data, but I haven't quite seen it published. They've sort of alluded to it, but I haven't. It's one of the things I get asked by some of the other, some of the uh, who, who know me through rugby Twitter. But they know, they know what I do for a living. So I'm, uh, biochemist by training so they're like oh you know what does this science make sense and things like that I haven't seen it it's, 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 it's all two, after, two it's all backwards the way it's been released hasn't it so yes yeah, yeah. it's sort of make a decision now here's the, now let's find the evidence yeah, yeah. and there's been I, and there's been uproar rightly so <laughs> yeah and I, I do hope that the fact it's been produced in this ridiculous way doesn't stop the fact that it's actually a good idea to drop the tackle height. But with any any solution, there's going to be problems. When you implement any change, there will be problems because people will have been brought up tackling in different ways. Um, and if you suddenly change the way of tackling, the way that you're approaching the ball, you will actually automatically make it difficult. So there will be a teething period. And um, again, it is for the rugby authorities from a medical perspective, we're encouraged that they are now thinking that we can't carry on the way we were, which is why we came into this in the first place was to elicit change to protect the game, but yet protect the players too. We're going on with other decisions of changing. So it's been alluded to, uh already already this evening but about red about red cards and public reaction do you think when world rugby first introduced the red this heightened stance on head contact they were incredibly strict and then very soon after due to loads of complaining there was a lot of there's you know huge pressure for mitigation we had similar things with tip tackles where they had zero tolerance of tip tackles and now it's 
And then it's only a few years later they sort of mitigated down and said, look, oh, is he landing on his head? Is he landing on his back? Do you think those mitigations came in far too early? And that's why we're still seeing these issues. And B, do you think cards alone are enough for sanction, particularly when you have some teams who seem to be repeat offenders for high tackles? Do you think there's more that leagues and world rugby could do for a team's constantly being red carded for high hits? Is that an issue with the coaching? Or is it with the players? Or is it just bad luck? I, I, I wouldn't say bad luck. I, and I'd say all of the, the above. Like, if, if, uh, if, if a red card had a hefty penalty, I know for fact um, there would be as, as many. And you didn't get a week less for this and a week less for going on a course and this. And, and if you had a punishment that kept you out for six, eight weeks, um, yeah, people would take their time. They wouldn't stop it 100%, but there would be a lot less. That's my personal view. The situation as regards um, red cards is actually uh, quite difficult, I think, because you've got the situation, for example, where you've got Owen Farrell, the England captain, who was then sent on an educative programme as to how to tackle. Now, that indicates that really that somehow or other he didn't know how to tackle it. Somehow the educative programme is actually changing his tackling in some way. It, of course, is ridiculous. And what it demonstrates is that the coaching is at the threshold that they're putting the player in a position that he may get a red card. So the red cards and the sanctions are not in themselves a deterrent to the upright tackle and the head-on-head contact. Therefore, there's got to be no mitigation. And in fact, it's the opposite. Because if you start running down the mitigation, you'll get arguments over, was it a yellow card? Was it a red card? Uh, um, it is not the reason the mitigation <laughs> was there. The reason the, reason the, um, the whole issue of head contact was brought in because it damages. And what we've got to do is stop the damage or reduce the damage. It'll never be stopped altogether. If you um, watch any children's game, they will have a head contact at some point, even if they don't tackle. But it is something in rugby that we want to reduce because at the moment what you're seeing, every single Six Nations, every single World Cup, people being paraded on and off the field because they've had a traumatic brain injury which needs assessing. That can't carry on. Absolutely. I said, in, you know, in the short term, it's depressing when you, you know, it's quite stressful. You know, it's quite distressing when you see players sport. You know, it's, it doesn't happen very often, but when you do have a player who's completely knocked out, as opposed to getting up and dancing, even then, again, back to Tom Francis incident, it, you know, it look, you look and you fear for the safety of these players who are getting up, clearly have are not quite with it. And then you think back to stories like you know, it was Glenn Webb in the 1987 World Cup, can't remember scoring a hat trick because he was concussed. Um, the Alex has, you know, some of the stories Alex has said on uh, in public have been quite, you know, it, you know, it makes you very worried. I'm expecting a little girl and I, you know, I'd love her to play rugby, but the way yeah. things are, do I want, do I really want to? 
and uh, the Steve Thompson documentary that was on the BBC recently again you know it's it's almost heartbreaking when you hear these stories from former players and you're like it, it makes you it makes you understand why some parents don't want their children playing rugby I think um, you're absolutely right. And for your listeners now, uh, you've just, uh, congratulations. Uh, I do hope uh, you enjoy your new little one. I've got grandchildren playing rugby. But just let's say Tom Francis was going to drive your newborn home. He's been, he's had his traumatic brain injury and he says, don't worry, I'll drive your little one home. Would you be happy with that? And I don't expect you to answer it, but that's really what we're talking about, is that the individual had a traumatic brain injury and he was then permitted to carry on at a risk of actually having more damage. And that can't occur. Now, all that we're saying is, look, we've got to change the emphasis. It has got to be on safety. We can't have the situation whereby people have a nuanced, yes, he could have gone off. Uh, no, it wasn't a red card. It was a, a an amber card because there was a mitigation circumstances because the player tripped, he was bending down. It has to be at such a level that people don't put themselves into that position. From a medical perspective, that's my opinion. Obviously, I'm not a rugby player. So it is Alex's and his generation who are suffering, but it's them who know what could be done now and what should have been done then. And perhaps Alex would comment on that. Am I wrong, Alex? No, no, not at all. And it just needs to be taken out of the players' hands and somebody solely independent. Um, and I know they say that there are spotters, but it seems to be happening over and over again. Yes, the Tom Francis, the Nick White, it was the Irish prop in New Zealand and yeah it, it just is happening too often and I've spoken to uh, to parents who's and I know it's not at the elite level but what you see at the elite level then trickles down to the amateur game and the grassroots where children have gone back in after a traumatic brain injury and died and this is how serious this can be so I don't know if it's going to take for something like that to bloody happen. God forgive, it it doesn't. But it's just happening too frequently on the biggest stage uh, there can be. Um, and if you see a superstar um, idol have a traumatic brain injury and then is all over the shop and then returns, then if it's all right for Tom Francis, I can do it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, I, I think that's one thing is one thing that I think always, um, I always find it odd that people don't necessarily connect when they talk about professional players do, being able to do some recover from an injury in such and such a time they think and they can come back in the same time as one, they have access to, 
you know, much better healthcare. You know, they, you know, if they need an MRI scan for their knee or their head or whatever, there's a good chance they'll get that in a day or two. If you if you try, unless you go private and you've injured yourself on a rugby pitch on a Sunday, you probably wait. You could probably wait in weeks or months unless it's a very serious head in, head not, well, not head, uh, serious brain injury. <laughs> so I, should, I, 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 sorry, I just said I, I use the term. I, I know. Traumatic brain injury, TBI. Yeah, TBI. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting though what you say that because twelve years ago today, twelve years, um, there was a a, a young lad, twelve year old kid called Benjamin Robinson, and he actually died um, as a result of a traumatic brain injury. It was a second impact syndrome, I understand. So look, serious injuries do occur, but they occur in lots of sports. But what we are saying on this podcast is look. Let's be reasonable. It's a contact sport, but we have to put player welfare right at the top. And however the game has changed, it has to be done in a way that is communicated correctly and actually answers all the problems. It is not a major issue at community level. It is a huge issue at elite level, but the the community level and the schools have to be told what is the game that they're playing it's not enough to use them as an experiment they have to be told and uh, i think that's certainly where alex and i are very concerned when this came out that we suddenly came out of the blue this is what's been done and still it's not i understand alex being done in wales is it no no uh there was the uh article today with uh what's his name the ceo of world rugby um, uh, Alan Giplin, is it Giplin? Uh, that is going to be rolled out at elite level as well. Um, but yeah, again, it just seems to be done very badly on on how the PR machine announced this. And uh, who who knows? There's there's uproar in Wales in the WRU already this this last week, and uh, this on top of it with this law change in the community game is only added to that with with people uh, only hearing it on Chinese Whisper at the moment. Yeah, and I, I think we would we would welcome um, your listeners and um, anyone in the community game to join us on Progressive Rugby because it, you, with your podcast and ourselves, are all on the same pitch. We are rugby enthusiasts and we want safety we want the game to continue. It will change. All games change. But it has to change in a safe direction. Yeah, great, they've dropped the top high, uh, tackle height. But let's make sure that it's not actually something which is dropped because of the bad communication. Great start, but we need to go further. So now moving on to an uh, area a bit close to my heart, uh, being former back. Uh, playing uh, for a very very poor level back row in in schools. Um, so one of the things that Progressive Rugby are pushing for is is a uh, removal of the jackal or at least changing how the ruck as they are is formed because we've seen numerous injuries, not only the potential for head injuries with jackals being down low and and staring at the ball and being exposed, 
But also you have issues like the crop roll, which has caused serious injuries to the likes of Jack Willis and Ellis Jenkins over the, over the past few years. So Alex, I was wondering if you could talk a few more about issues with yeah. issues around this area and things we can it's, do to make it safer. It's a difficult one, the ruck. It's, it's just not being uh, reft to what is written in the law book. And the jackal, the person over the ball, is like a sitting duck waiting to, to be hit. And that's what's happening. All his neck is exposed, the back of his head. He can't see the opposition uh, coming towards him and doesn't know when to brace for that impact. And how I look at it, it's like a... Uh, a broken down car on the hard shoulder being rammed by a lorry. And we know what happens then. And that is what's happening over and over again to players in games and hundreds of times during the year in training to get that right. I know those drills happen. And that's what is 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 uh, so, wrong, so wrong about it. I, I believe the the ruck of the old days where the, you're allowed to use your boots on a player on his body is safer than what's currently happening. And yeah, it just needs to be, to be looked at um, and is a very, very dangerous at the moment. I think one of the things that picking that up is that progressive rugby is really concerned about this in children, and we 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 talked about this at length. Remember, we are a broad church. We've we've got people who've looked after children's rugby through to university to the elite level, and doctors who work with them in all those levels. The one thing that we agreed was a child in that position is at risk. A child in a jackal is at risk. The reason is. Their neck is not strong. They're different maturities. And certainly I went to see um, uh, my um, children playing rugby. They played for St. Peter's in Cardiff and they went down to play at Barry. And I was appalled to see the um, the fact they were jackling because on two or three occasions you had the more mature child basically running over them in the jackal when they were totally vulnerable. And I think that one thing that we could do is stop jackling in um, junior school. So you can teach it in uh, senior school, 11 onwards, but I think at the earlier stage, it should not be part of the game. Rugby at that level is a game of skills. It's a game of running, avoidance, hand hand um, uh, uh, movements, and also kicking. But I think the jackal in, in that group, certainly from uh, medical perspective, I think is dangerous, and uh, it's something that progressive rugby is pretty keen uh, should not occur in its present format. And uh, Alex has highlighted it at the um, uh, community and elite level. Um, so we are obviously conversing that that this is a big change. But Alex mentioned we didn't come from this, so we can go back to the ruck the way it was, although that's, again, a rugby decision, which Alex uh, is much more uh, in a position to comment about than I. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying the other one is, uh, again, 100% it's not, but it's a lot safer than what's currently happening now. So, um, yeah, do you want some stud marks on your body or do you want your head pounded over and over and over again? 
Well, it, but it is interesting that uh, how people do um, do comment. Um, a chap who's the same age as me, both registrars together in Cardiff, was J.P.R. Williams. And J.P.R. Williams was actually uh, had a terribly nasty rake um, uh, from his head when he was on the ground. Yeah, look, injuries do occur. But the one thing is, you are making this a really vulnerable area when you're putting a child there. There is no way that you would put your child in a position where they're bent over, looking at a ball and allowing somebody to run at them. They can't protect themselves. There will be an injury. And so it's, it's, I put it in. It's almost, it's a cheap shot, isn't it? With, with, but it's allowed to, to go on. It's a, a cheap shot that just keeps happening over and over again because it's, it's being reft to the laws, which are not the laws, but to the 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 game and yeah it's yeah i'm just glad i don't play anymore <laughs> well it's it's also this term clearing out i it, it, which has arisen uh, i mean when i played in the six and seventies it, it was basically you're only out to tackle someone with the ball now yeah. it seems uh but there was a, a film by um james Khan called rollerball well worth watching old film but that was actually talking about a, a situation very similar to this, where it's the physical impact, which was the thing that people were watching, the gladiatorial element. Well, fine, if that's what you want to do, but you're doing it at a risk, and children are not in that position to actually uh, consent to that risk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a red card in the London Irish Halgrins game today. Um, Kevin yeah. South going into the jackal, he slips and loses footing. Yeah. So, and then um, Stephen Levice comes in, drops the drops the shoulder, and it's again, it's just a cheap shot. There's no attempt to clear it because, in theory, according to the laws, he's supposed to bind and then pull off. And you see it numerous games with the attacking team effectively torpedoing into the ruck to clear well, the, the jackal. I, I can't rem I can't remember I don't watch a huge amount of uh of rugby I'll watch the highlights and things like that but I can't remember I was, the last time I seen somebody bind and got enter a ruck no that's that's old school <laughs> the the other thing was uh, if you watched the game this afternoon you notice it wasn't uh I just yes that should be a red card there was a discussion. Yes. And the fact was, he got hit on the head. He wasn't actually in a position to actually protect himself. So surely the journalists, the commentators should have said, I fully understand that's the correct decision. But instead, we have a debate. Was it a red card? Was there a mitigation? Was he dropping down? And that carried on through most of the game. Indeed. And then it ended similar things in... I can't remember which one of the other Premiership games. Uh, there was a, a player jumped up and to put his shoulder into someone's head to save a try, and it was given as a passive tackle, like as passive as tackles can get. But I mean, Austin, Austin Healy even pointed out, well, the reason why he lost the collision was because he launched himself off his feet to get up. And I think if you're doing that, that's the sort of shot, even regardless of where you want the tackle height to be. Something like that, where you're jumping up into someone's head, that's got to go complete. Like, that cannot be allowed, if you ask me, because that is almost willfully dangerous. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, the, the, there is also the situation um, uh, whereby I understand, Alex, if I'm right, that there is going to be a sanction on the ball carrier as well. Because yes. uh, watching the game today and watching Joe Marley, um, who ran... A, Quite, um, I think it's about 30 meters after something. And he was running basically with his head at 90 degrees, uh, bent at the waist. He was tackled and his head, uh, because the, uh, the tackler fell backwards, his head was almost driven into the ground. So it's not, again, we're going back to the beginning of the podcast. It's not just a case of saying, yes, we'll drop the tackle height. There has to be, as Alex says, that mitigation um, removed about the tackle if the tackle hits his head but on the other hand there's also got to be a sanction against the person who runs in a position that the other person can't tackle them so it, it is it needs communication it needs uh telling everyone how they should tackle when they should tackle and also as alex said looking at the ruck the mall and also the jackal and um, anything to add with it no, that, 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 that's, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one and where do they start? But um, yeah, allowing somebody to, to have a 10, 15 metre run up and uh, smash somebody who's stationary, not ready for that collision. Uh, yeah, needs to go as soon as possible. Hey, Alex, just just a question. I know we know each other, but uh, just for the listeners, in your friends all who played rugby uh, with you, are there any people now who don't let the children play rugby? Yeah, there's quite a few. I I would say over fifty percent of the people who yeah don't. And why is that? Because they don't want. Uh, um, or they allow them to play till touch level, and then when contact comes, um, they think it's they're too young, currently, and they don't want them to, um, to, yeah, s- struggle. They 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 believe there's uh, other other sports that uh, are safer, and, and that that I think is one of the problems is that we're saying that look we want. Alex's children, we want all the children, my grandchildren, we want them all to continue playing rugby. But we do have to make it a game that people want to play. And in order to do that, we've got to stop the the physicality that some people think is fantastic, the impacts that some people think is fantastic. But if the price of that is that people are reducing the number of children who go into the game, the game is actually going to struggle. Absolutely. I said, I think, um, speaking of former players who don't want their kids playing rugby, I'm pretty sure Nicky Smith is, uh, not Nicky Smith, Nicky Robinson, uh, on Scrum 5 podcast has said before now he doesn't actually want, he actually hopes his boys uh, go into football or cricket as opposed to rugby. I'd like to just take a few minutes to talk about uh, what Alex is going to be doing on the weekend. 
as he mentioned, he was tired from training. Yeah, um, I've got a year full of challenges for for head for change, and uh, the first one is starting the sixth of February, and a group of fifteen of us are cycling from uh, the Principality, Cardiff, all the way up to Edinburgh. Um, we're raising money for for head for change. So we had our last training ride this morning in the wet in the wet Welsh weather, and um, had a nice curry to finish. Uh, uh, supplied by our support crew, uh, done on a gas hob, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a an, a an amazing experience. Just praying for for good weather, but that's my first challenge. Uh, come the sixth of February, and then the other one, which I'm I'm quite interested in because I might end up seeing that seeing your finish is uh you're going to be cycling to Leon for the Wales Australia game in the World Cup. Yeah, so uh, managed to talk into I'm not I'm not keeping up with him, but I've managed to talk Garrett Thomas and Luke Rowe into cycling with us. Uh, Colin Charvis, Ian Goff, Shane Williams, Ryan Jones, Tony Copsey as ex players, and we're cycling from London Welsh to Leon. Arriving on the Saturday, um, a big dinner on the Saturday, and then going to watch the Wales Australia World Cup game. So that's uh, at the end of September, which is going to be a fantastic uh, event, and really looking forward to that when the weather should be better <laughs> come September in in France. And then the last challenge of uh, the year for Head for Change is we are swimming the English Channel, and it's Rugby League versus Rugby Union. Um, as a relay so we've had our first training weekend two weekends ago um and we are yeah taking on rugby league so um in the rugby union team it's myself shane williams ryan jones ian goff and kieran lowe the ex-scottish back row player versus uh the rugby league which is ben flower ex-wigan welsh player dennis betts jason critchley mickey rowe and uh, Mick Cassidy um, and yeah we, we we didn't know what to expect of the two codes coming together for our first training weekend but it was an amazing weekend the boys just bonded and lots of laugh lots of banter and that's the, the amazing thing about rugby um, and we want that to carry on and, and having uh, a weekend of it um, a few weekends ago I've, I've definitely missed that and uh, can't wait for the next one. Uh, Alex, I was asked by uh, one of the uh, patients who um, actually wanted to support you. How do we uh, actually support the Head for Change? What, what do we do? Um, I'll uh, send across the, the link for the Edinburgh ride so you can support that way. Uh, go on our website, uh, www.headforchange.org.uk. And you can leave your email and you'll be part of the newsletter. Um, and there's lots of inf uh, useful information and of, about Head for Change and how you can get involved. Excellent. So, um, yeah, I'll put the I'll put we'll put those links up <coughs> on the show description. And when we um, when we uh, uh, share out the uh, podcast when it goes live in the air. Much appreciated. Uh, Thank you. Um, as um. Whilst we're talking of sharing, how do we get in contact with each of you, Progressive Rugby? What's the best way if listeners want to know more? Um, I, if they want, you know, if, if, I, I think any the, of the academic circles who, who who know me want to want to come and help with research or anything, how who be best people to get in contact with? 
I think that it'd be lovely if um, they went through yourselves, but, but we do have um, obviously a website and uh, we're very active on Twitter, but we do welcome um, people joining us because we need your voices because of, of course we've got professionals and people like myself who've been um, in the academic medical uh, world for a long time, but we need people who play because it's their opinions and their game. And so, yes, join by uh, going onto the website. We've got lots of educational uh, material on there, but of course they can come through this broadcast. And thank you very much indeed for uh, uh, giving us the opportunity to speak about progressive rugby. And uh, we do believe that it's uh, a wonderful uh, concept and hopefully it'll be something that continues for a long time. And and, and on that point, I think uh, getting people involved because people have got... Uh, a perception of progressive rugby that we're trying to kill the game and we're not. We and 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 the more members we have, the more people who interact with us, follow us, he, hear our our voices and, and our tweets can see we're doing this for the good of the game, the current players and the future generations. And we welcome anybody to to get involved. Uh, thank so all that's left is for me to say thank you to our guests. I hope they, they've enjoyed it as much as I have. And uh, please feel free to come come back on the pod whenever, whenever you fancy talking about rugby. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes we have that. It's not, okay. it's not always this slick. It's not always this slick and professional. Sometimes it's about 20 minutes of biscuit chat, which you might enjoy. <laughs> Best of luck with your newborn when it arrives. Well, thank, thank you for that. So, again, thank you to John. Uh, thank you to Alex. Uh, Thank you very much. Hope you have a lovely evening. Bye. Okay, bye bye. You've been listening to Rock and Roll. If you've stuck with us this far, leave us a review. Follow us, not just you, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And drop us a message. You're a pretty friendly bunch. It'll be great to hear from you no matter what you want to say. And we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.